Okay, so uh, back at it. It is time for the Pistols Firing Podcast with your hosts, yours truly, Carson Cunningham. I mean, he's about as pretty as they get. Joined, as always, by Kyle Porter. When he breaks through and gets in the open, it's over. Gone. The Pistols Firing Podcast starts right now. We are back at it, rested and refreshed from the bye week. Kyle Porter joins me as always. Kyle, are you ready for homecoming? Yeah, we had our own bye week, Carson. Took a week off, um, more than a week, I guess. We took, yeah, full seven days. I'm ready to go. Second half of the season, nobody knows what's going to happen. Nothing would surprise me. We're going to talk uh, 10 questions that I have for the second half in a minute. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this weekend. Yeah, me too. And I, I had this game circled before the year started as kind of a swing game. And then you, you factor in Baylor comes in undefeated. They're ranked and it's homecoming. Uh, it's, it's a pretty exciting week and much needed after, you know, kind of limping into the bye week, losing to, to Texas Tech. Yeah, for sure. And, and I, I want to talk to you about Baylor here in a minute. But uh, first, let's talk about MidFirst Bank, Carson. They've been sponsoring our podcast this fall. Um. Yeah, they are. Uh, you you can you can you know after the bye week you might be up for showing off your uh, school spirit again. Might be might be up for uh, busting out Pistol Pete again. Uh, you can sign up for an OSU credit card. Midfirst.com/slash/pistolsfiring. Uh, you can get a uh, hundred fifty dollar bonus when you sign up. You earn points. Uh, there's Burstar rewards options, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing that uh, Midfirst is doing for Pistols Firing podcast listeners. Midfirst.com slash Pistols Firing, and you can check out their Oklahoma State credit card there. Uh, do you want to get to the Midfirst Five, Carson, as we're calling it? We got five, yeah. five things that um, we're, we're going to start with 10 questions that, that I have. And I wrote this at the end of last week, and I want to go through through these really quickly and just kind of get your short answer. I'm I'm not going to answer them because I already wrote many many words about them on the site, <laughs> but uh, just w- want to get your thoughts on um, if these are questions that that you're thinking about as well. So first one up, uh, how good? This is ten questions for the second half of Oklahoma State season. How good really is Spencer Sanders? That's number one. Well, I think he is a future star in the making who's learning how to play in the Big 12. Um, I think at the end of this year, we're going to look back at the Tech game as more of a hiccup than who he is as a quarterback. So I, I think he's really good. I think the consensus is, Kyle, that he's he's going through what most young quarterbacks who haven't played are going through, which is why I would have thrown him out last year. But I think he's really good, and I think he'll win some games uh, against some of the better teams in the league before the season's over. I agree. Does Tylen's 2019, so this season, does it go in the pantheon of all-time great wide receiver seasons? Well, it's tough to do in this pantheon of Oklahoma State receivers. <laughs> uh, but I would I would say yes. I mean, I again, his his bad games, he has like 80 or 90 yards. So I think he's he's due for another explosion of, you know, a 200-yard game here and there and He's just he's unstoppable, and they, I think they've had a full bye week, really, Kyle, to kind of get him more involved and figure out ways to get him more open with the, the high safety that people are playing on him. So yeah, I, I think when this when his career is said and done, we're gonna look back at, at this season as his best. I think. What if I told you he was on pace for more yards uh, this year than he had last year? 
it's hard to fathom considering the year he had last year when he had literally had the best numbers in the country. But yeah. but I believe it. I mean, he's had his good games haven't been good games. They've been monster games. Yeah. So that's that's the reason for that. Uh, can Chuba hit number three? Can Chuba hit two thousand yards? Well, at this point, I'd be surprised if he didn't. But as you wrote in your article, I mean, the wear and tear to me is is starting to add up. Obviously, the bye week I think came at a good time. I think, I think I feel like we say that every single time the bye week comes up, don't we? <laughs> the bye week could be like week two, and like, well, the bye week came up at a good time. I just kind of fell into that cliche just now. But but no, I mean, I'd be surprised if he didn't. I, I do think they need to monitor his workload, but he doesn't need a ton of carries to get to two thousand yards. Is the thing he can bust off an eighty yarder. Uh, this Saturday, so no, I I would be shocked if he didn't reach two thousand. The the crazy number for me, he needs to average one twenty nine point four the rest of the way to hit two thousand. There's only two guys. Well, when I wrote this last week, there were only two guys nationally averaging that for the year. So he has to basically have a second half of the season that only two two guys had in the first half. So I I think it's going to be tougher than people think, but uh, he surely set him. Uh, set himself up well in the second half to be able to do it. Okay, number four, your favorite question. Do we ever see Sean Gleason's fingerprints on this offense? I mean, if we don't see it this week, I'm going to say no. But I, I will hold out judgment because the bye week, they've had time to to really put their heads together and figure things out. I mean, listen to this, Kyle. The, the offense is throwing the ball 37% of the time. That's down by 14% of last year. So I think it's it's twofold. One, it's it's Gundy wanting to run the football with, with Chuba Hubbard. And two, I think they've learned that they're afraid of Spencer Sanders making mistakes. And he's proven he's capable of making them in every game thus far. Um, I think I think there's a clear line of demarcation after the, the opening Texas drive, right? Looked looked dramatically different than what we've seen. Spencer throws the interception against Texas. And since then They've really been afraid to let him do much of anything because he's proven he can throw into traffic and make poor decisions like he did against Tech. So I, I say, I say we will see it because I think Gundy's too good of a coach not to let let Gleason go a little bit. So yeah. I, I, I would, they're, they're losing games. So I think I think Gundy will relent a little bit and we'll see. I think I think we're gonna see some this week because this is as we we will probably talk about later in the podcast. This is a perfect spot for OSU. Yeah, it is. Uh, okay, uh, number five. How's Bedlam gonna go? I love the way you put it. I mean, literally, I, I can I can close my eyes and I can see Spencer Sanders being like carried off the field after winning, <laughs> and I can see it being like that 2015 game when Joe Mixon went and Samaje P. Ryan were running up and down the field and just it just looked like all hope had been lost in Bedlam forever. So I, at this point, at home, I mean, it's what's ironic is OSU's won more games in Norman than they have in Stillwater, which is just. <laughs> Just an unbelievable stat, but I mean, I think they're going to lose the game because OU's better uh, on both sides of the football. So I, I would say they're going to lose by seven, ten points. Yeah, I think there's a real chance that Bedlam has a chance to sort of, I mean, it, it will, I think, shape the Sanders era. I mean, in the same way it did for Rudolph. I mean, if he goes out, no matter what happens between now and then, because it's the last game, because there's so much importance already on that game, if he goes out and beats OU. Nobody even remembers Texas Tech, right? Nobody even like that's not even a, a thing. I mean, you and I might talk about it, but nobody nobody cares about that. And that game, we've just you know because it's back at the very end of the schedule. We it's just it's so much more important than all the other games. Probably all the other games combined in terms of the way that we perceive 
uh, some of this stuff. Okay, number six, does Calvin Bundage play in 2019? I'm going to say no. I mean, I just we've had we've had no encouraging signs to this point, and you just wonder if he's going to just turn pro, get ready for the NFL. I mean, I don't know if he should do that or not, but we've seen guys do that before where they just shut it down. And at this point, unless I see something else, I'm going to say no. I agree. Uh, number seven, can Oklahoma State's defense withstand a full conference schedule? I mean, withstand, yes. Um, and we, you and I have talked about this, too. The defense has been pretty good thus far. They're 49th in defensive efficiency. That's really all we ask of the OSU defense, is it not? Just to beat in the top 50. And that's what they've been. Um, they, their offense has given them zero help thus far, and they're still top 50 in efficiency. So if they get a little help, have, have a little bit of complimentary football, I say yes. I've been very encouraged, and I, I got to give Jim Knowles a lot of credit. He's, he's done very well. And uh, the, the biggest concern this year, I think, was linebacker. Well, Malcolm Rodriguez and Amen, Amen are uh, they're top, they're top five in the Big Twelve in, in tackles. They've been everywhere. So I, I say yes. Amen should just be like Prince and share. Yeah, we're on. Just love it. Just drop the just just go. Amen. Just, just drop the last name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did the cowboy back? Excuse me. Do the cowboy backs ever get involved in the offense? Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be part of this this week's game plan. I mean, I think I loved how you put it in your. Your column, like what? What would be a good safety valve for Spencer Sanders? I said this exact same thing on the radio yesterday with with Teddy Lehman on his show. I said, "Gee, wouldn't it be nice if they had a guy like Jelani Woods, who's six eight and is a, you know, a tight end is speaking of sports cliches, a security blanket is a tight end. Like, yeah. wouldn't that be good for a young quarterback? So uh, to me, it's it's now or never. And I think uh, you go back to last year's homecoming when they're rocking the throwbacks. They ran the power eye to Jelani. Mm. Maybe maybe we'll see that again. I hope so. Okay, number nine, who does Oklahoma State get in a bowl? And you don't have to answer this. I mean, it's October 17th, so whatever. But I just think that is uh, – I think that will be fascinating. I, I think so much is shaped – just in the same way that Bedlam shapes the way that we think about this team and the following season, I think I think the bowl game does as well. And, and you think back to last year and, and then beating Missouri and, and everything that happened there with Chuba being awesome. And, you know, I just – I think the bowl game is it's it's like as big a deal as three conference games combined. Just the way, and, and I'm not saying that that's reality. I'm just saying that's the way that we perceive it. And so I think that that part of the way the season goes is going to be really interesting. Yeah, of the projections you had, you had Sports Illustrated has OSU in the Cheez Its Bowl against uh, USC, mm. ESPN Texas Bowl against A and M. CBS Sports, the Alamo Bowl against Utah. I think I think the goal is to get to the Alamo. It's yeah. it's one of the premier non you know you know Big Six bowls. It's one of the best bowls for Big Twelve team can get to, and then you, and you get to go play on the week Pac twelve. Go go beat up the Pac twelve. I love it. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Because growing up we were like, nah, the Alamo. I don't know. It's a, whatever. Like it's fine. And now it's well, like it's, it's replaced the holiday. Remember how yeah. big a deal the holiday bowl used to be? Well, that's the Alamo Bowl now. It doesn't feel right, but that's just how it's become. Would you Expecting be in order? Would you be into an AM OSU bowl or no? Yeah, I'd be into it. Go beat up on, you know, the team that th- that couldn't hack it in the Big Twelve. I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I, I go back and forth on that. I, I think Gundy would get pretty up for that, but I'm kinda like, okay, they've played AM just so many times. Like I think Utah would be cool. I think USC would be cool. I, I think I think yeah, so, you know just see, you. seeing some of the teams they don't play very often would be 
to me more yeah. interesting. That's what was cool about that Washington matchup, right? Two teams that just yeah. are on opposite sides of the map that don't, don't see each other very often. That's the kind of the idea behind bowl games in the first place. And then number 10, what's the temperature for 2020? And I st- I'll, I'll read you what I wrote, um, and we can talk about it just briefly. But I said, this is the Gundy question more than anything else. Fans are turning. Not all of them, probably not most of them, not me, but some are. It's not a Texas Tech thing either. Fans are turning in a rational way after seeing a theme for a number of years that was simply validated by the Texas Tech loss. Uh, I, I'm just I'm curious what people how people view Gundy at the end of this year. I think I think last year there was always a, okay like this is a this is a one off year. This is a quarterback who's only going to be here for a year. Let's get into the next sort of era and see what happens. And uh, you know I think the first half of the season didn't go great it was okay it was maybe average to a little above average um but i'm i'm just i'm really curious to see how people view him at the end of this season no i to me yeah i i would agree with that it's it's i do think we tend to you know ride the wave a little bit with wins and losses in terms of what it means for gundy and his tenure i i do think we we tend to over overreact some but no, I mean, just go back to the stats. I think Bill Haston had the r- remarkable, you know, Bill is so good with, with stats. He had uh, Mike Gundy's numbers over his wins. I'm trying to pull it up right now. If you can't tell, I'm stalling. Um, they're like 8-8 eight and eight over the last 16 games. Before that, they were, I can't find it. <laughs> You're just you're just you're just throwing you no 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 they they were they're eight and eight over their last like sixteen games it's not good and they were like thirty two and fourteen I think is the number off the top of my head but uh, no it's it's interesting right I mean wh- how does the Mike Gundy era end does it end with him calling the shots with Gunner at quarterback <laughs> does it end like this off season, like Bob, no one saw Bob Stoops retiring out of the blue. Mike Gundy always said he wanted to retire young. I, I think Gundy coaches another five, six years, regardless of what happens this year. So I don't think the heat, the heat will never be up on Gundy. He's a made man and he can, he can go out on his own terms. Yeah. Uh, somebody, by the way, suggested that <laughs> the ploy all along was that they hired Mike to get Gunner. Uh, like they hired uh, Kane and Cunningham to get Cade. <laughs> <laughs> I was dying laughing when I saw that. Only that's hilarious, but that, that kind of reminds me of Josh Fields, or uh, not Josh Fields, Josh Holiday. Yeah, being the number one quarterback in the country and like being recruited by Florida State, and his his dad was the coach at at OSU baseball at the time, like. I don't know why that just popped into my head. But that, that's like a great OSU what if, yeah. if Josh Holiday would come to play football. Obviously, he made the right choice. He made over like $300 million or yeah. whatever it was. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's doing all right. Uh, okay, mid-first five, next up. Uh, and, and we won't take as much time on the rest of these. But uh, what do we make of Baylor? I wrote about this uh, beginning of this week, I think. And I just I don't know we do we do the thing where it's like oh Baylor six and zero you know they might they might get, they might get to nine and zero and you're like okay well maybe you know they they make a last second field goal against Iowa State they get a call go in their favor against Tech I just I just don't think they're better than Oklahoma State and that doesn't mean they're they're not going to win they they might go out and win they might be better I don't know 
but I just I go back to the remember the uh, in 2014 people people forget this all the time that 2014 Oklahoma State team was ranked 14th in the country at one point Ew. and and then they just I mean got obliterated into the ether over the next you know <laughs> seven games or whatever so I just think we tend to not have a real we, we we tend to be very caught up in the moment based on what your ranking is and what your record is and that might not be indicative of how good you actually are well while they haven't their schedule's been certainly kind to this point it's going to be kind all year they get OU in texas at home i would disagree i think baylor's really good and i, I picked them before the year to be fourth in the league uh they're undefeated i think they're a good football team i think matt rule's a heck of a coach and just on paper, Kyle, they're they're a really good football team. They're they're the um, eighth most efficient offense in the country at this point. That's kind of going under the radar. They're leading the Big Twelve in sacks. They get after the quarterback, which obviously is a big week a weak spot right now for Oklahoma State is protecting Spencer Sanders. Um, they're eighth best in the country at stopping running games at the line of scrimmage. I mean, they they're good on both sides of the ball, at least to this point. Now, to your point, I think. You always point this out. College football games sometimes sometimes come down to one or two plays in a single game and determine your entire season. I think you look at that Texas Tech game, that's their, they certainly got a break there. But I think coming into this game, they're they're a good football team, and they're going to they're gonna test OSU. They're going to move the football, and they're going to give problems for Chuba Hubbard, and they're going to get after Spencer Sanders. So I, I certainly think it's a tough game, and I think Baylor's – Probably better than you're giving them credit for, um, but that's that's kind of where I see it. Yeah, that, no, that's fair. And I just it, it is tough because it's like, yeah, one possession, one play. I just read an article. There's a great article on SB Nation talking about how it was Louisville, Clemson from like 14 or I I don't know 13, 15, whenever Lamar Jackson was there, and it was the it was the end of a Louisville Clemson game. They were both ranked in the top 10 and Louisville couldn't pick up a first down. There's like 30 seconds left in the game. They could have scored on Clemson. They could have won the ACC. They could have gone to the playoff. Clemson wouldn't have won at all. The, and just like the implications of a single play on the college football landscape for the next three to five years, you're like, oh, my gosh. Like the butterfly effect of some of this stuff is unbelievable. And uh, I don't know. We just – I think we put too much into what your record is and not necessarily enough into like what's actually happened in some of your games. And, and look like Baylor might go out and win by three touchdowns. That doesn't mean that that's not going to happen. I'm just, I'm a, I'm a little cautious of the six and a rank number 18 thing going into this game. No, that's fair. Um, Okay. Okay, Oklahoma State uh, launched Chuba's Heisman campaign this week. Uh, did you see the, uh, <laughs> the the graphic of him? It's like he's wearing like a, <laughs> a cowboy hat with a Canadian flag in the background. Did you see this? But it's orange. But it's orange, which yeah. would actually be uh, a cool shirt if you just had like a black shirt with an orange like maple leaf. Maybe yep. we should make that. That'd be awesome. Maybe we should print those. I wouldn't even have to get that past the licensing and trademark people. You just, no, it's just a maple leaf. What do you want? Yeah. What do you want um, from <laughs> uh, What do you think about the campaign? What do you, where do you stand on all the Chuba Heisman stuff? Well, I think it's about time. I don't know what took him so long to get, get one going. I mean, he, he was leading the country in rushing three weeks ago, right? Uh, I mean, it's certainly, certainly well-deserved. I would certainly, 
I didn't see a whole lot to it. They like created like a website and that was about it. Like they need to go full on blitz on, on social media, which maybe that's coming, but uh, it's certainly well-deserved. And, and look, as good as he's been, it's going to take a Barry Sanders like season to even just be invited to New York based on OSU's record thus far based on it's a quarterback award and there's like four or five elite quarterbacks that are all putting up huge numbers. So I, I appreciate the effort and he certainly deserves it. Yeah. I, yeah, I think that's a great point. Like Oklahoma, look, Oklahoma, Chuba's not going to win the Heisman. Oklahoma state knows this. Chuba knows that every, everybody knows that Chuba's not going to win the Heisman. I think the reason you do this is less about even, I mean, yeah, to get him to New York, I think would be, would be massive, but also just for like recruiting, right? Like just to show other guys like, hey, you come to Oklahoma State, you get a Heisman campaign, right? You get all this public, you know, whatever. I, I think that's a big deal, not just for future players, but also for current players. So I hope that they, I hope that that's sort of their angle on it as the, as the season progresses. Yeah, it's, it's basically marketing your program. Yeah. So I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. Uh, okay, what else we got here? Uh, Mike, I got a really interesting question this week about Mike Holder and Chad Weiberg and just the fact that, you know, a couple of years ago, Chad Weiberg comes on as the, as the, uh, what's his title? Deputy athletic director, I think. And the presumption was that, you know, Mike Holder's going to re- retire. Or there's going to be some sort of transition of power over the next few years. That hasn't happened yet. There was never a timetable. There's never a timeline. So I, I don't think that I, I just I think the presumption was sooner rather than later, but it hasn't happened. What what's your stance on, or what have you heard? I guess just on what's going down there. I, I wrote a little bit about this on Tuesday or uh, Wednesday, and you know I think it's it's very fluid. And Mike Holder is somebody who is very proud and uh, is somebody who values finishing uh, tasks, and I think he doesn't see. I, I I think he looks at his work in Stillwater and sees it maybe a little bit unfinished still. And uh, I don't know. I'm curious to see how it plays out. Yeah, I've been meaning to bring this up on the podcast. Uh, the person I talked to, and it, it's interesting too, isn't it, Kyle, how, how much Mike Holder's legacy has changed just over the course of his tenure? You know, you go back to the, the gift of a lifetime failing, um, the football stadium becoming what it's been, and just – Hiring of the, the Brad Underwood falling out from under him, on and on and on. The Mike Boynton rejuvenation of the program. He's getting the baseball stadium built. I think to a certain extent, Holder has earned the right to go out on his own terms, kind of like Mike Gundy. And the person I talked to, I, my big question was, well, how long does Chad Weiberg want to sit around and be, you know, head coach in waiting, so to speak? And the person I talked to was like, he he's just fine. They're they're paying him very well to where he's, he's happy, he's in Stillwater, they're paying him very good money, and he's in no hurry to become the athletic director. I think he's already making his his presence known in Stillwater as it is. So I think it's one of those deals where I think you're right. I think he wants to see the baseball stadium finally opened. You mentioned in your article the, the new wrestling facility. I think that's yeah. very important to Holder. He, he, he's talked with our own Seth, Seth Duckworth about how much he's neglected wrestling. I think that as you mentioned, it's kind of probably the final piece for him, and I think in a couple of years he'll 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 retire. But the, my main takeaway was, well, Chad Weiberg is not going to just go take another job because he gets antsy. So yeah. that, that's that's certainly encouraging for Oklahoma State. Yeah, I, I agree with that, and I think it's a, it's a weird situation. I compared it to I think uh, 
like if you were given the choice between being the head coach of UTEP in basketball or being the second guy at like, I don't remember what I said, Illinois or, you know, Michigan or something like that, uh, being like the next guy up at one of those places, it's a, it's a real decision. It's a difficult decision, but I think it's made easier because Weiberg is, you know, went to Oklahoma state clearly loves it. Um, I, I don't think he's like, I don't, I don't think there's a huge risk of him really going anywhere. It's kind of my read on the whole thing, my perception of it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, look, transitions of power are important. We see this with OU football, right, from from Stoops to Lincoln Riley. And hitting the right notes on that is is extremely important. And I think Oklahoma State is set up to do it really well, and now they just have to execute it. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next few years. Uh, do you want to talk about the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft? I assume you're referring to one Cade Cunningham, brother of Oklahoma State <laughs> assistant coach Cannon Cunningham. Or is it Cannon? Cannon or Cannon? I think it's Cannon. I don't know. We should we should have him on the podcast. Um, I am. We should get Boynton back on the pod. But yeah, he said he'd do it. Let's do it. Okay. Talk about the year. I'm in. Um, Cade Cunningham predicted to be the number one pick in the 2021 draft by ESPN. The guys, I actually, I didn't know this, but the guys who used to run uh, the website Draft Express got hired by ESPN, and now they run all their draft stuff through ESPN. And it's really good. It's not just like, oh, this guy seems like a good prospect. He's number one. Like, they they do their homework. They do their research. Cade Cunningham's going to be, like, a top three pick in 2021. And... I I mean, this is crazy, Carson. Like, I know we keep talking about it, but it's just the idea of him coming to Stillwater. And, uh, you know, Kyle Boone maintains that they're getting, like, two or three of these four or five guys that they've really got targeted at the top. And uh, he, I think he still thinks Cade's going to be one of them. Do you, do you think that? Where, are you, where do you stand on all this? Yeah, I mean, I – to your point – First, the Draft Express people do a great job, and they're they're involved on like the ESPN's coverage of the draft. That's how that's how much they've integrated with ESPN. Uh, with Cade, I just think he's enjoying the recruiting process. Mm. I mean, he pushed back his commitment date, right? I think he he's like you and I would be, right? We've always said that we would take our five visits, we would go to you know the Blue Bloods, enjoy our time. I think he's made a real connection with Mike Boynton. Mike Boynton has recruited him harder than anybody. I mean. I think obviously his brother being on staff is a pretty telling sign that that's where he's going to go. I mean, I would be, and I know Evan Daniels, who we both have a lot of respect for, put out his crystal ball for Kentucky because he just got back from a Kentucky visit. I just, this is just my opinion based on no inside information whatsoever. I think he tells people what he thinks they want to hear to drum up interest in his recruitment. I think he enjoys being in the spotlight. I think he enjoys being recruited as any, as any recruit should. But I think ultimately he ends up in Oklahoma State, which, I mean, as you pointed out, he's a future lottery pick, and that, that just changes the, the ceiling of OSU basketball for, the, for that foreseeable future, really. Where would you take your visits if you had five? And in you're basketball like, or football? In basketball. If you're like, I'm go- I'm, okay, I know I'm going to Oklahoma State. Where else would, where else would you, what are the other four places you would visit? Uh, Duke, uh, UCLA, just for the scenery. Um, Kentucky, just because they're, you know, they're rolling and they pack in twenty, twenty-five thousand people for their games. 
Um, I don't know. That's tough. Probably Arizona State just to get me the Tempe. <laughs> See, I don't know. I, I think more of football than basketball. What, what say you? Well, I'm I'm thinking like when you take these visits, you go to the football games, right? So like, yeah, uh, like, you're going package deal. Well, yeah. I mean, so I would go to Kentucky, um, because whatever. I, I don't care about the football, but it, that would be a that would be a, just a cool experience. I think I might go like. Um, I think I might go LSU. Yeah. Be like, ah, yeah, Ben Simmons. And like, I just want to go to a football game. I don't really care about the rest of it. <laughs> go to a night game. At I might, Valley. I might go to, I might go Texas. I, I don't, I don't know. I, yeah, maybe. And then Kansas, Hawaii, would, can, <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. Kansas would be cool. Not the football part, but the rest of it. I, I think I would go Kansas and then, eh, I don't know, maybe like Michigan or Ohio State, something like that. Lawrence is really underrated. I was up there for the football game a couple weeks ago. It might be the coolest Big Twelve campus. Just in ter- just it's a different part of the it's a different part of the country. It's it's a really nice campus. It really is. And as I've told you before, the, the basketball players on KU's campus are like bigger than movie stars yeah. if that's possible yeah. it's it's crazy so that, that'd be a good visit as well yeah it's a big deal uh, as snoop pointed out a couple weeks ago uh <laughs> okay carson homecoming uni preview let's get to this week's uniform preview brought to you by chris's university spirit your one-stop cowboy shop on campus corner and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com everybody should check out chris's if you're in town uh, or if, if you're in Stillwater for homecoming this weekend, um, I did a little research on this. I actually, I actually didn't come up with it one minute before we started taping, uh, but rather look through the archives a bit. Uh, we know they go throwback helmet for homecoming. Uh, do you want to go first on this, or do you want me to? I'll go first. Okay. I mean, I'm let let's not get tricky. Let's not try to predict a new helmet. <laughs> let's just settle down and stick to what we know. And that's the 1988 throwbacks. You run it back. If you're ever going to repeat a uniform for for homecoming, it's what they wore last year against Texas. They have the winning karma with it, which I know they love, which they kind of need right now. And just, uh, Kyle, every time you post pictures of recruits in the 88 throwbacks or footage from the, the Texas game last year, it's it just pops off the screen. Yeah. So don't don't get cute. It would be kind of cool. I think Southwell is going to predict the uh, the homecoming helmet they wore that was matte black with the old brand. Yeah, it's awesome. It'd be kind of cool to th- throw that on there with the '88 throwbacks. Mm. But uh, I I just say go back to the well, full full Barry Sanders 1988 throwback. Chuba and the Barry Sanders throwbacks. It just feels right, doesn't it? <laughs> what if he switched his number to 21 just for this game? Didn't somebody? Oh, uh, Ricky Williams did that for Doak Walker yeah. whenever Doak Walker passed away. We're number 37. Yeah. Uh, obviously different circumstances, but no, like what if Barry just sent out a tweet and said, go on young son, he might wear rock the 21. He might wear 99 after Wayne Gretzky hollered at him on, on, uh, Oh man, that'd be cool too. Yeah, that would be awesome. The great one. <laughs> go for Rochetti Jones. That would be, that would be sweet. Okay. I'm going, uh, it, it, that's probably the right pick. And I, I didn't, I, I got a little lost in this, I think. <laughs> But I, I'm going uh, here. So I'm go. Do what? 
I said, yeah, you picked an obscure year, so you definitely got deep into the well. Yeah, I, I got, I, I, I might, I might be out of my world, but I went uh, orange, orange, white. Uh, they, they have they worn orange jerseys this year? Um, I don't think so. How many home games have they played? McNeese they, was gray. Yeah. K State was black. K State was black. Are we and, missing a home game? Uh, is that it? It is. Yeah. Because the the other four, so they at Texas, at Oregon State, at Tulsa, and at Tech. Yep. Yeah. So they haven't worn orange. So I think they're definitely wearing an orange jersey, whether that's '88 throwback or or whatever. So I'm going orange, orange, white. And I'm going with a, a helmet. <laughs> this is where I got lost. <laughs> I'm going with a helmet from the 1967-68 season. <laughs> so Chris Knox, who has done a lot of artwork for us in the past and does a great job, went back and basically recreated all of the uniforms that Oklahoma State has worn in their history. And uh, the helmet that he uh, kind of recreated from 67-68 is unbelievable. It's basically... You remember the helmet they wore a few years ago with the the bucking bronco on the side? It was a white helmet with the bronco. Oh yeah, it's basically that helmet, but it's orange with a black stripe down the middle. I'll 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 uh, post it on. That sounds that sounds delightful. Yeah, but the best part I'm about to text this to you and see if you pass out on the air is you know the um, you know the front bumper thing like right above the forehead. Yeah, it's uh, instead of saying like Oklahoma State or OSU, it says Cowboy. It's the curse of Cowboys, basically from the basketball uniforms. Whoa! Yeah, that's next level. It's incredible. And didn't uh, didn't the ones they wore the actual ones they wore say Aggies on the on the bumper? I think so, which was really cool. Also, I just texted it to you, um, so you, we can have some real time reaction. Oh my on. goodness! <laughs> I hope they wear this. It's it's amazing. It, does it get any better than a throwback helmet with a gray face mask just to make it look a little older? Yeah. Like it just looks sensational. It's it's awesome. Um, the Curse of Cowboys, undefeated. Yeah, it's really good. So that might that might be uh, more wishful thinking than anything, but uh, I'll, post a, I'll post a photo of it on... You should get like well. 50 points if they wear <laughs> that exact helmet. Yeah, I should just win. For the, such a prediction. I should win the season. If yeah, that just happens. call it... <laughs> Okay, I uh, want to talk one more time about our sponsor, MidFirst Bank. Uh, they are offering Carson the ultimate game day experience from now through October 31st, so you get two more weeks to enter every time you swipe your OSU credit or debit card. You're automatically entered into the ultimate game day experience. They're giving away two VIP tickets to an OSU game in November. They're giving away a gift basket. They're giving away $500 cash. Uh, and all you have to do to enter is swipe your debit or credit card, uh, your mid-first debit or credit card. So that's a cool deal that they're doing. And uh, people should sign up uh, for a mid-first credit or debit card so that you're able to swipe it and uh, be entered into the ultimate game day experience. Um, okay, Carson, uh, I got a little game. We've been playing this game the past few weeks. Uh during our podcast, uh, it's a little, I, we, we haven't named it really. It's just basically like Kyle dives into the record books and pulls out obscure stats and Carson tries to guess them. Is that too long of a name? Somewhat. I don't know. Someone how. will submit a great name. We've got great names for the mid first five, the bullets and BBs. The mid first five is, is phenomenal. Uh, okay. 
Well, let's do this because I looked it up for when I was researching some Cade stuff. How many first round picks has Oklahoma State had in the uh, in the NBA in the NBA draft historically? We're talking like I'm not talking going back to the '40s when it was like the you know like the modern era, basically. Well, you got you got big country. You got um, Dumas. Am I right so far? Uh, I think he was second round. Oh. Uh, Tony Allen. Joey Graham. We're not counting Gerald Green. <laughs> um, I'm going to say uh, Desmond. Yep. That's it? Uh. James Anderson is in there. Ah, I forgot about James. John Starks. Did you say Marcus Smart? Oh, gosh. Yeah, Marcus Smart. I didn't do well on this one. Joey Graham. Yeah, said that one. Um, I can't find the list now that I've brought this up. Um, it's not a long list. Tony Allen. Here we go. It, I, they're I, all pretty recent. I got it right here. Tony, Desmond, Marcus Smart, um, Big Country. Joey Graham. Richard Dumas was second round, 46th pick. Byron Houston. Ah, uh, Byron. Uh, James was the 20th pick. Brooks Thompson uh, was also a first round pick. And that's the end of the list. So there's three. How underrated is Brooks Thompson there's, in OSU history? There's eight guys that have been, that have been, yeah, he was awesome. But there's eight guys that have been uh, first round picks in the last, when is that? 30 years, essentially. Long time. Yeah. Their 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 first first round pick was was uh, Byron Houston. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you go back to the 1940s, I don't even know what league this is. The BAA, what is that? Basketball Athletic Association. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Bob Harris was a first round pick there, so I for whatever that's worth. But yeah, you, then you go all the way to 1992 for their next first round pick. That was Byron Houston. So. I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, next up, we've got uh, what do you think Oklahoma State's winning percentage is as a home favorite in the Dan- in the Dana era? So basically, since 2010, what do you think their winning percentage is as a home favorite? As a home favorite, well, they've lost some the last two years, or else I'd put this higher. Let's go with. Seventy-two percent. It's a good guess. It's eighty-three percent. They're forty and eight as a home favorite since twenty ten. Wow, isn't that crazy? I was going to put a higher if not for the last. You know, they're what four and six, or they're they've lost several home games as a favorite recently. But yeah. uh, that's that's crazy. Since uh, two thousand seventeen, as a home favorite, they're seven and five. Yeah, that's that's why I docked them a few. I would have put it closer to eighty if if not for that. But so, that's so twenty shows you how good they've been. Twenty ten to twenty sixteen, they were thirty three and three as a home favorite. <laughs> it's pretty good. My Gundy's pretty good coach. Pretty good for all the for all of his faults that we talk about. He's he's really good for sure. Uh, okay, last one. What's the record Oklahoma State record for most consecutive one hundred yard rushing games? This got brought up because Chuba's on four right now. The only the only uh, game he doesn't have hundred yards in is actually the McNeese game this year, which is a little misleading. But um, I'm curious what you think the record is for the most consecutive one hundred yard rush games. 
what's the like how many games was it yeah how many games and who did it well i got i mean i gotta pick barry sanders and we'll say 12 that's kind of correct barry had 12 and night all 12 in 1988 uh which is second terry miller had 19 in a row so 1976 1977 wow terry miller for the old <laughs> i knew that was coming and then uh, third, this surprised me. Dantrell Savage had 10 in a row in 2007. God, he was good. Vernon Morrency had seven in a row in 2004. That wasn't surprising. And then you They go, rode him like Seabiscuit? Yeah, they did. Then you go Thurman with six, and then uh, a bunch of guys had five. So uh, if Chuba gets two more, he'll tie Thurman with six, and that would be fifth place all time in terms of consecutive 100-yard rushing games. Yeah, I mean – Barry's kind of like Tiger. Like every record in golf leads back to Tiger. Like every rushing anything in the record book leads back to Barry. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And Terry, apparently. Barry and Terry. <laughs> for the olds. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay, let's hear one more time. Oh, from- I, I asked my dad about Terry Miller, by the way. Well, he- it's, let's hear from Chris's, and then that can be your one interesting thing. Okay. Uh, let's hear one more time from our sponsor, Chris's University Spirit. Chris's University Spirit on Campus Corner in Stillwater, Oklahoma is proud to be your one-stop cowboy shop since 1986 and proud sponsor of this podcast, Pistols Firing. They specialize in custom-printed Oklahoma State apparel and merchandise and pride themselves on their excellent customer service. They also offer a full line of custom Greek apparel and can even outfit your Little League team head-to-toe. They're located at the corner of 3rd and Knobloch on Historic Campus Corner. You can follow them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and be sure to shop online at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Shop Stilly, shop Chris's University Spirit. Okay, Carson, uh, what did your dad say about, about Terry Miller? Well, you, you told me to ask him uh, about him, and I didn't ask him. He just provided his commentary <laughs> that he wanted reiterated on the podcast. He thought the, uh, the olds were overreacting a little bit. He was a good player. He, he didn't say good, not great. Which was kind of the, the vibe I was getting, but he didn't think we were. Uh, he didn't think he was better than Chuba. So my 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 old chimed in and said Chuba's better than Terry, kind of like we said. That's that's but good that's to hear. that's not my one interesting thing. Um, <laughs> we did have a little breaking news before the the pod started. Uh, before I get to that, I guess Caden McFarland, sports anchor in, in Tulsa, KJRH, loyal listener to the pod. He loved us ripping Nebraska and A&M a couple weeks ago. <laughs> so I just wanted to point out that Nebraska, as I said, had become Minnesota by joining the Big Ten. Well, they lost to Minnesota 34-7. to yeah. they, they, wish, they wish they were Minnesota, who's undefeated. <laughs> so that's, that's for Caden. I appreciate you listening. And, um, I always pre- appreciate you, and uh, you do a good job at, at KJRH. Um, but no, uh, the, the preseason basketball poll came out, Kyle. And surprisingly, OSU gets a little bit of credit this year. They picked last, last the last what two years? Uh, picked sixth. I think a lot of the voters see the potential that, that Mike Boynton has in Stillwater. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. Yeah, it is. It, it is uh, a big surprise. Uh, not a not a big surprise, but it's it's a moderate surprise. I, I think yeah. it's. I don't know. I mean, the momentum is definitely the trajectory is upward for Oklahoma State basketball, and the the question is just you know how how does that play out and how can you keep that momentum in in the right direction and 
that part's going to be interesting to see. Speaking of the Big Ten, I thought of you on Saturday. I was off on Saturday. I didn't. I didn't do anything. No. No Oklahoma State game. The the golf tournament was terrible. So I just hung out with the kids. But I did check in on uh, on Saturday evening, and I thought of you because I turned on the Penn State Iowa game, and oh gosh, the final the final score was seventeen to twelve, and oh. I could not. Stop laughing over thinking about what you would say about a 17 to 12 Penn State Iowa game. I mean, at what point do they get like discredited by national voters? Like, how does the Big 12 just get slated and raked over the coals for playing no defense? And yet the Big 10 doesn't get any criticism for having 18th century offense. <laughs> It's not like their defenses are like full of like first round draft picks. Give me a break. I think Iowa and Penn State have pros everywhere. No. They just they can't move the football. They can't the forward pass eludes them. It's awful football. Penn State had two hundred and ninety four total yards. Yeah, that is atrocious. That's hard to do in twenty nineteen. That is hard to do. And I do think it's interesting to this point, Kyle, you see LSU. They're like number one offense in the country now because they're running spread and they're, they've opened it up. But they're doing what OSU did in 2011, Kyle. Their defense is giving up points because yeah. they're on the field so much. And that essentially, according to the eye test, cost OSU a chance to play for a national championship because yeah, they didn't think their defense was any good. It's chicken and the egg. Like When you score this many points and you get this many possessions to your defense, you're going to give up late touchdowns like they did against Florida. And yeah. so I, I'm interested to see if LSU gets docked for not playing any defense. I doubt they will because they're in the SEC and they're LSU. They have the name brand. But it's just funny how everything we've tried to defend, the Big 12 and OSU in 2011, is, is kind of flipping over to the SEC now. They shouldn't get docked, though. It's hard to stop teams for 20 possessions a game or whatever you're playing, 17 or 15 or whatever. It's a lot easier when you're playing seven possessions a game or eight possessions a game, and you're only running – your defense is only out there for 55 plays or 60 plays. It's just they should not get docked for giving up 35 a game, but you don't – I mean, and I go back to LSU giving up 38 to Texas and Oklahoma State giving up 36, and it's like, well, why, why do we talk about these things so so differently, you know, mm -hmm. like – I don't know. We don't, we don't need to get into that. My one interesting thing, we misstated this earlier. Matt Holiday, not Josh, was the number one prospect in the country. What did I say? I think you said Josh, and I just didn't notice it. And Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so you said he made $300 million in his career. <laughs> I looked it up. He uh, he actually made one fifty nine. Okay, so about which half is, that. <laughs> which is still a ton of money. His last, so starting at, at age 29, he made, uh, this was his yearly salary, 13, 5, 16, 16, 17, 17, 17, 17, 17, 13, <laughs> and then he got a million dollar buyout at the very end. So $159,917,000. That probably buys you uh, a good chunk of property in Stillwater, Oklahoma. I'd say he made the right call playing baseball. Yeah, he made a lot of money. Yeah, he's he's uh, he can he can afford to be a volunteer assistant at OSU. I have one more thing before we go. Uh, the homecoming and hoops things coming up on Saturday or Friday night. 
Uh, one more interesting thing, Kyle. Mike Boynton continues to rave about Hitty Rusink. I know. Calls him the smartest player on the team, maybe the best shooter on the team. With a team, you know, again, this team has Lindy Waters and Thomas Dezagua and Cameron McGriff, who's been a pretty good three-point shooter over his career. Uh, if this guy doesn't look like Dirk Nowitzki in game one, I'm going to be disappointed. Stillwater Luca? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, he's a he's a four man. He's not a point guard. He's he's more Dirk than than Luca. Okay, I mean Luca's like I'm six eight, isn't he? Luca Doncic? Yeah, he's a point guard. No, he's not six eight. Well, he, but he's tall. He's like six four. No, is he? I don't know. Who can Google faster? He's six seven. Luca Doncic is six seven. Yeah, that's what I'm. I, huh. That's what I'm saying. But but to your he looks point, like he's six two on TV. <laughs> I know he's kind of he's kind of anyway. We don't need to like go into like Luca Doncic's body type. I can't even say his name. It's like can we get can we make him a one name guy too? Luca, just Luca. Amen. Well, maybe Hitty will be a one name wonder <laughs> as well because I I Mike Boyden has not tempered any expectations for this guy and he appears to be a, a good find and I'm I'm looking forward to all the guys but. This guy is just kind of a mystery, and just the word continues to leak out. He's pretty good, so I'm, oh. I'm interested in watching him. A one hitty wonder. <laughs> yeah. Print the uh, the Dutch flag shirts along with the Canadian. <laughs> All right, Carson. Enjoy homecoming, and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be back here uh, next week talking about uh, a big Oklahoma State win. Thanks again to our sponsors, Chris's. Mid First Bank, you guys are awesome. We appreciate it. Thanks to everybody for listening. Be sure and rate us and leave a comment on iTunes. That is helpful to to spread the word about uh, how much Carson hates the Big Ten and uh, how excited we are about the rest of the season. We'll talk to you soon, Carson. Sounds good. See you later.